The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Hey, welcome to a, uh, is it Tuesday edition? Cheeseburger of the Day. Cheese, well, it's Taco Tuesday, but it is National Cheeseburger Day. What? Yeah, I know, hey? Well, more of that uh, as the show goes on, because that we consider that to be breaking news, but we have more important things to talk well, about. Well, this has been an interesting uh, couple of days. You've been reading about it. You've been hearing about it right here on 630 Ched and, of course, over on uh, Global News. But, you know, kicked in the face, punched in the ribs, not a bar brawl, but what some Edmonton teachers are having to deal with at the hands of their students. Now, between 2016 and 2017, there were 311 reported incidents of student violence against Edmonton teachers. The head of the Alberta Teachers Association, Greg Jeffries, believes that number uh, could very likely be higher. I also believe uh, this data is probably underreported for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, some teachers don't like to report minor incidences because they feel it might reflect on them. And the other thing is the paperwork can be hugely onerous. We, we really need to streamline uh, that piece uh, so that uh, teachers are more comfortable in, in reporting uh, incidences of aggression. Our cool, our colleague, our colleague. <laughs> I speak for a living. Uh, Julia Wong is uh, from Global News. Is where we first learned of this. She obtained employee incident reports from the Edmonton Public School Board, the Edmonton Catholic School District, through freedom of information requests. And she joins us now in studio. Welcome. Thank you. Thank we, you. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Very because, briefly. Yeah, I saw the article that you wrote, or the web article that you wrote, and. Uh, and was aghast. And we thought we need to get Julie on yeah. to, to talk about this. Now, curious, um, the freedom of information uh, process can be quite the ordeal to get. When did you start looking into this? Yeah, so this has been a very long process. Um, <laughs> we have been looking into this probably since about this time last year when wow. we first got the idea. Um, then it was a matter of, as you were saying, filling out those freedom of information requests. But that is also a very involved process. Um, public bodies have 30 days to respond to you and then you guys can go back and forth for a while so it really wasn't until the end of 2017 that we actually physically got the records in our hands and then it took a matter of, uh, of months this was a personal project of mine at work so a matter of months to actually read through everything I put everything into a database and then you know crunching the numbers what type of schools are we looking at what type of incidents were happening um, did the teachers seek first aid or, or medical attention. So it, it took a long time to gather all of that data to figure out what exactly the patterns and trends were that we were seeing. And then um, it was a few months after that because we were looking to speak with a teacher about his or her own personal experience. And that in itself was was very difficult. We went through the, Alter, um, the Alberta Teachers Association. We went through retired teachers associations. You know, we, we scoured Facebook and Twitter, reaching out to people. And we did speak with a lot of people for this story, but no one wanted to speak publicly. Hmm. There's a 
didn't want to go on camera. No, they didn't want to go on camera. They didn't want to go on record um, because there was a lot of concern about talking about something like this. Um, in our story yesterday, we were saying school administrations don't want something like this to come out. It's not the type of image they want to project. Um, and they want people to know that kids are safe in schools. But we thought this was a really important story. So we kept on pushing and we kept on looking. Um, and in the end, we decided, let's just go ahead and, and do this because we still thought it was very powerful. Um, what we're reading in the incident reports were really powerful. And you can hear those teachers' voices in what they write. So how did you know to start looking for it in the first place? What were? How did you know that the documents existed that you made the Freedom of Information request for? Um, I spoke to the FOIP coordinators of both Edmonton Public and Edmonton Catholic School Boards and just started putting feelers out there. Like, what happens when something like this happens in a school? Like, if a teacher gets hurt, do they need to fill out a but form? But what's the this? Like, what was the first clue that you should be looking for this information? Did someone tell you that, yeah, um, did that a teacher a... had been hurt at school by a student? It wasn't anything specific like that. It was just... I knew it was happening, and I knew that teachers were getting hurt, just sort of anecdotally from people here and from across the province, and I, I knew that there must be some type of record somewhere. And what we did end up finding is, yes, the, the school boards do keep those records, but it's a matter of what happens to those records mm -hmm. after the fact. So it's, it's great that you have them, but are they analyzed? Does anyone look at them for patterns and, and that type of thing? And, and so in the end, we had to go all the way to the top, to Alberta Education, to figure out what's going on you know, provincially. What is our provincial government looking at? And what we found is that school boards aren't required to pass that information along to the government. Wow. So in hmm. some ways, Alberta Education, you know, they don't have the data. They're in, in some respects in the dark about what is happening in the schools. They know it's happening anecdotally, but until we got those documents and started looking at everything, there was no hard data. Did you get any pushback from the school boards or anybody like that f for looking into this? Because I suspect, as you said, you know, um, sometimes administration doesn't, well, oftentimes, all the time, administration doesn't want something like this getting out there. Parents scout schools. But you would Let's think they would real. want this information no, but out they, there. Yeah, but they want, you know, you got to get your, your attendance, you got to get your enrollment up at, at mm. schools and that sort of stuff. So I'm just curious, did anyone say, Julia, why are you looking into this? No, I, I would have to say that no one said that to me specifically, that we shouldn't be looking into it, because I think if they said that, they knew that we would still do it anyways. <laughs> um, and when I'm speaking with the, the school boards, Edmonton Public was very forthcoming. They did put someone out there. Um, and, and I did do a, a long interview with this individual about their specialized education programs and inclusive education programs, that type of thing. Um, but you can tell when I was, when I was speaking with this uh, spokesperson, they were trying to, I don't want to say downplay, but they were very reluctant to acknowledge how big of an issue it is within that school board. I had to press her a few times just to just to say, you know, the ATA has been very vocal, but it seems like you're a bit more muted in how you're speaking about this. So when you get uh, information through the Freedom of Information Act, some of it's redacted. And I'm sure as a media person, mm -hmm. you kind of, that probably heightens your curiosity. Why is that redacted? So was there redacted portions of that information? And what were they? Yes, there were. Uh, there were lots of redactions in the reports. It was uh, different re redactions for both Edmonton Public and Edmonton Catholic. Um, Edmonton Public, you know, they let me know the names of the school, the position the, the person was holding who was involved. Um, Edmonton Catholic didn't want me to know the school that was involved at all. So it was harder for us to determine if it was an elementary school, if it was a junior high or high school, that type of thing. One of the mm -hmm. things I I did find interesting in your report yesterday uh, was the fact that more of the incidents happened 
at an elementary level than a junior high or a high school level. I personally thought it would be mm-hmm. the other way around. Um, were you surprised at that? And, and um, I know you had talked to a, an expert in the field about this. They're seeing this in the States as well. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, when we first took a look at the numbers and saw that the majority of these incidents were happening in, in elementary schools, that took me by surprise. But as I started speaking with the ATA, with this um, educational researcher at Ohio State, they both said, of course, that's that's going to be the case. These are younger children. They don't have their temperaments under control yet. They don't have um, control over how they physically might be acting. So that's how they were explaining it to me. And and as soon as they explained it um, in that perspective, I, I understood it a little bit better. But you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't agree with that. Okay. My spider senses are tingling a little bit here because, yes, that's true that they've not been taught all the social manners that they need to be taught. But typically, as a father of four, that doesn't involve punching a teacher in the face. It involves throwing themselves on the ground and having a tantrum. Like my my spider senses are tingling because I'm thinking, well, is there a particular program in the school that? is causing this? Is there a particular group in the school? Is there a particular change that's been made? Do you know what I'm I'm, I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And, and that's one area that we did have trouble with because these incident reports, they don't say what type of program that student or teacher may be involved in. We don't know what type of needs a student may or may not have had. And that's one area that we just wanted to make clear to people. We're not trying to put a particular blame out there, but because we don't have that information, mm-hmm. it wasn't we couldn't draw any conclusions about that. Yeah, that's the part that I'd be interested in pursuing if it was me. Because I, again, just knowing, having had four children go through school and just knowing that, um, you know, sometimes in the name of inclusion, um, it doesn't always work out. And whatever that group may be that's being included. So I'd be really curious to know um, if that were the case, if that were at play here. And that would certainly explain why maybe the school boards didn't want that information or were reluctant to have others get that information. Global Edmonton reporter Julia Wong joins us in studio this afternoon. We'll take a break here. When we come back, that question was asked of the ATA president uh, mm. earlier today. We'll hear his answer and we'll have more with Julia about her in-depth report on uh, violence against teachers in Edmonton schools right after this. Wong from Global Edmonton joining us in studio this afternoon. We're talking about her special report into violence against teachers in schools. And um, uh, you saw part one of her story last night on Global Edmonton, part two tonight. And Andrew had mentioned that he thought that, um, well, that it had always been there. I, I do believe it's always been there. And I wonder, as I say, if it's not as a result of inclusion being so important in our society these days that because of that inclusion, it it has a cost that we're now seeing. Well, the ATA president this morning said uh, classrooms much more complex than 30 30 to 40 years ago and... Uh, Since 2012, Alberta has participated in a full inclusion model where students with special needs are included in a uh, quote regular classroom as much as they can be Uh, but without the supports for that inclusion uh, more teacher time gets taken uh, dealing with those students special needs certainly they need that a greater level of attention and uh, then other things start to happen so uh, the the 
lack of supports for inclusion also uh, uh, contributes to this and makes class size a much more intricate debate now than it once was. That's ATA President Greg Jeffries. Julia, your um, your response when you hear that was that what you were hearing while you were uh, working on on this feature? Yeah, it was. Uh, Greg did reiterate that a few times as we were talking about the need for more supports for inclusion. And he brought up class size uh, a lot as well during our conversation. So I brought both of those to the education minister when I was speaking with him yesterday, um, getting his thoughts on our investigation. And he, he did agree that class size is a really big factor. And obviously within that, it's a matter of who, who makes up that class. That was something we, we couldn't get too much into because we could only base our story off the data. We could only go off what we knew. But since the stories come out, I have had a lot of teachers start reaching out to me through uh, social media, through Facebook, telling me about their experiences, saying that, you know, they deal with a lot of different types of students and that makes what they do very difficult. And it, what, and it makes what uh, they have to deal with in terms of how they're responding or reacting. It's a lot for them. And so this is something that we're definitely going to be following, something that we're definitely going to be doing um, more stories on in the future as we keep on hearing from people, especially now that they're aware that it's it's okay to talk about this before mm-hmm. there was a little bit of perhaps stigma or was a little bit taboo but we're trying to get this out there because we know it is an issue so let's talk about it and see what we can do to try to make things better well yeah to finish off that because i know i'm i've upset people by even shedding a light on my theory it's not that i don't want those with special needs in school or included it's that i want the school and the teachers to be able to support those individuals so that they get the most benefit out of being included as do the other students that are in that those same classes but now that you're talking to teachers now the teachers are reaching out to you the other theory i had um was that there are no uh repercussions no penalty for teach for uh, students assaulting teachers as have any of the teachers talk to you about that that they feel helpless to administer discipline to prevent that sort of behavior a lot of the teachers who have started reaching out have been uh, concerned about some of the supports they're receiving um, and unsure sometimes of what to do with these students, how they should be responding to them. Um, and I, I just want to be careful here because uh, I, I don't want to say too much before we then go to the school boards to, to get their response, but that is what we're hearing, and I've heard it a, a few times since the stories come out, just that they're they're worried about how they can deal with this and what type of backup there is from their administration. What even is the process if, you know, uh, a kid punches uh, a teacher in a classroom? Do you just go to the principal and say, hey, this kid punched me? Like, what what happens? Um, I think it's probably different for each and every school, but through the course of doing this um, and from what I've heard from teachers is when something like this happens, you go to your administration, they tell you there's this incident report form, so you can fill it out if you want to. Hmm. So it all it all kind of comes down to that. Like, do you do it or do you not? You know, it's weird because uh, one kid punches another kid in the schoolyard. There's all kinds of forms <laughs> filled out and parents get called. You would think that it would have the same urgency if a student punches a teacher. You uh-huh. would think. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. And I would wonder why it wouldn't happen in the first place. But I guess we'll, we'll find out more in the, in the coming days. Now, 
some of the incidents that you saw in in these reports we talked off the top you know getting kicked kicked in the face punched in the ribs some of these um, incidents actually ended up with the teachers having to take time off work they were that bad yeah there were about 45 incidents that we looked at that we could verifiably say that there were 45 um, they needed medical aid so something um, happened where they needed to go to a doctor to get further treatment it wasn't just like a simple scratch that you know you put a band-aid over but something more than that there were uh, a couple teachers who had concussions so then obviously you have to go to the hospital to to deal with that and the way that the form works out you can say either you know um, it's either first aid or this medical aid or time off and that was sort of one category so a lot of the incidents where um, that we were looking at there were those who kind of ticked off that box hmm. Yeah, we just had a text come in that says, uh, my, uh, well, a couple of things here, Tad, you're talking, my wife basically quit her job last year because of the physical assault, like you're speaking. Um, and this one says, my daughter is a grade two teacher. She was pushed from behind, lost her balance, hit her head on the door. She ended up with a concussion. I mean, you know, once it's, 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 once people start talking about it and shed a little bit of light on it, sometimes... You know, you start to see more and more people willing to come out, and you know, I, I'm guess in a way that's you're hopeful that that is is going to happen. Part two of your report is coming tonight. What can we expect in that? So, in this story, we we are going to put it directly to Education Minister David Egan. Um, what he thought about our story and mm-hmm. how the province is going to respond. So that's something to look forward to tonight. Okay. Hmm. Well, I can't wait. On quite frankly, <laughs> I mean, this story it's a great story and I know you're not done with it yet but it really did catch both of our interests yeah. yesterday. You for more maybe perhaps personal reasons me. Well I'm married to a teacher. Right so, and me yeah. as a, a parent because it's just the numbers were shocking to be honest with you and I know that there was a quote in there and I apologize that you'd probably tell me who it was near the end of your first story that was like well you know we don't think it's that bad or something like that I, I can't recall who exactly said it, but I thought one is bad 200 and some is it's catastrophic. What do you mean it's not that bad? Yeah, and the way it works out is it's, you know, almost two incidents every school day. So when you think about it two like that. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Wow. Well, Julia, great work. Uh, thanks for spending your time with us this afternoon. Appreciate it. We look forward to seeing more of your coverage on this on Global News at 6, 5 and 6 tonight? 5 and 6 tonight. 5 and 6 tonight. And, of course, you can read it online. Catch the video online at globalnews.ca or on the Global Edmonton Facebook page. Now, still to come on the show this afternoon, we're going to hook up with Global National Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple, talk about uh, Canada's peacekeeping mission in Mali. He just returned mm. from Gao. And um, so we're going to talk to him about uh, his experience there and with the Canadian uh, peacekeepers Plus, well, it's fit after 40. We're going to talk to Grant Fedoric. I think the topic today is ankles. <laughs> so uh, I wore brand new socks. Uh, as well, we have your word of the day for you to join Jalen, Nye, and me on our trip down to Montego Bay in January. Uh, and if, if, as if that wasn't enough, we have a pair of tickets to the Edmonton Comedy Ooh, Festival to give away as well. So much more. <laughs> so much more. Stick around, Chadville. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.